One, two, three. Hallelujah. Clap for the Lord. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Let's all be seated in the house of the Lord. Amen. Look at that. Powerful stuff, right? Powerful stuff. Amen. Uh, look at your name and say, I'm full of power. Look back and say, I don't know if you knew that. Okay. So sometimes you got to let, better t- you just got to tell somebody like, hey, man. And so we, that's who we are. We're full of power. We are people of God, full of power. But you know what makes us different is we are people of the book. That's going to make the, the biggest difference. You know, I have talks with my wife and we'll just, uh, you know, kind of talk about things, what's going on. And, you know, a lot of times there's churches and Man, you'd just be surprised at how different we are. It's not because of the way we look, um, not the way our building looks. It's the way we teach. It's so uncommon. I thought, I never knew that. I didn't, I, wow, Lord, it's really like that? And you get to research and stuff, and you find, man, we are really peculiar. Well, guess what? We're going to stay peculiar because I believe that um, my wife says, something I like she says it's opposite day and so basically the enemy wants you to think see people really don't want to hear that type of teaching and so that's why these other churches you know they got this going on or that going on but really it's opposite day because in the kingdom we're flourishing because we're doing what God said and a lot of people that appear to be flourishing are not and it's only a matter of time before the tables turn. Amen? Amen. And so how I many know when the tables turn, you know what we're going to do different? What do you think we're going to do different? When the tables turn. What are we going to do different? Nothing. <laughs> we're going to do the same thing. <laughs> when we're packed out, we got to go to two services or who knows how big God makes us. We might have to start launching churches out, but we're still going to be doing the same thing. Amen? Praise the Lord. Let's pray. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for blessing us to be here tonight. We thank you for giving us your word. We thank you that we can stand on it, trust in it, depend on it. We know that it's truth from the beginning to the end. And we build our lives on it. And as we surrender ourselves to you tonight to receive what you have, we remove all distractions from our own mind. And we make a conscious effort to focus and to lock in and to receive truth. We bind the devil. We cancel his plans of interference and interruption. And we decree and declare that the word that goes forth tonight will be planted in good soil. And it would yield an abundant harvest. We thank you and praise you now. And we surrender to the Holy Ghost in Jesus' name. Amen. Church said amen. Praise God. Amen. All right, look at your neighbor and say, get your Bible out. All right, and so uh, it's Wednesday nights. We're always preaching on faith. That's Faith Academy. That's what we call this. But I'm going to preach this message tonight entitled True Biblical Faith. True Biblical Faith. And so a lot of people, they say, oh, uh, I'm a Christian or I'm a believer. I mean, there's just crazy stuff out there. Uh, in fact, recently there was a, a person that was questioned, and they said, well, uh, are you a Christian? She said, yes. And then they said, do you believe in the Bible? She said, no. 
I said, okay, so somebody then tricked her because <laughs> you can't be a Christian and not believe in the Bible. So there's a thing where people actually are Christians, they say, but they don't believe in the Bible. Okay, that just lets you know we're in the last days. You know what I mean? And so it's a lot of crazy stuff going on, but true biblical faith. So we believe that this is what we build our lives on. It's not just, we don't just build our lives on emotional emotionalism or uh, feelings or, uh, you know, I, man, I just got these goosebumps, man, and I went off and I had a time with the Lord, and oh, man, me and God just had such a great encounter. Um, what scripture did you read? Oh, I didn't read any, you know, I don't read any Bible or anything like that, but I just communicate with God, and I'm just such, I have such wonderful fellowship with God, and, um, but when did you read your Bible? Oh, oh, well, you know, um, see, I don't really get into my Bible, but, you know, I spend a lot of time. See, you're deceived. That is not God. Because God is going to direct you to his word. He's never going to just let you float around. It's not that every time you encounter God, you could be driving in your car and just have uh, a time of praise and, and worship to God, or you could have a time of prayer. And so, obviously, you cannot... Uh, be, while driving your car, you know, pull open your Bible and read. So you can talk to God and commune with God without always getting in the Bible. But I'm saying there's going to come a time where he will direct you to it. So you cannot have all this time where, believe it or not, there are people that they don't even read their Bible like they barely read it once a week. That's not fellowship with God. That's not the fellowship that we're to live in. So let's go to Second uh, Timothy. Second Timothy uh, three. We'll look at sixteen. Second Timothy three sixteen, and um, so just looking at this first in the King James it says all scripture. So scripture is another word for Bible. This is what this is, the Holy Scriptures. All scripture is given by inspiration of God, and is profitable. Now, if people realize that the Bible is profitable, you know, people tend to <clears throat> pay attention to things that are profitable. Amen? Like, what if you caught a revelation that is profitable for you to exercise? I didn't get any amens right there. Probably got an amen at home or some, uh, somebody like that. But, um, but if you realize that it's profitable, then you're going to, Spend more time focusing on it and doing it. Well, if people see, I realized that early in my walk with the Lord, I realized that the Bible was profitable. I realized that I got stuff out of here and it helped me through situations. And so I could see it as reliable. So all scripture is given by inspiration of God, meaning God breathed. And it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Next verse. And then he says that a man of God, and that includes woman, may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. And so what does that mean? I'm going to have everything I need all right here in this book. If I want to learn how to be a husband, a good husband to my wife, it's in the book. If I want to learn how to be a good parent, it's in the book. If I want to learn how to be a good neighbor, it's in the book. Everything I need is right here in the book. And that's what he's saying. And so, but I have to be the one that says it's profitable. It's, it's that valuable to me. And so the word 
corrects us. How I many know there could be some rebellious people in the world and they don't like being told what to do? But how I many know when God takes them to a scripture and begins to correct them, come on somebody, and chastise them with that word, how I many know the most rebellious person is humbled quickly? Because it's the word that will correct you. And I believe that a lot of people are staying in disobedience because they won't listen to the Holy Spirit as he directs them to the word. And so you cannot put a yeah, but on the word. You got to receive it. And so God works through rhema. He'll give you a rhema word. So you commune with God. You're in prayer and you got something going on or whatever. God directs you to a scripture. Well, he'll actually have the words of this book jump off the page. Come on, somebody and penetrate your heart and quicken you. And you'll say, wow, I never read that like that before. Because you didn't need it at that time. Come on, somebody. But now you need it in your current situation. And then the word is the only thing that is indisputable. And so if somebody tells you, well, brother, you need to do this. You can always dispute that. Come on, somebody. You could always say, oh, well, okay, well, you know. And then you can come up with some old theology or, you know, I've I've found that... uh, some of the most argumentative people are really just rebellious and rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and witchcraft is deception that is trying to pull people away from the truth. And so people that are argumentative when it comes to the word of God, it's rooted in rebellion. It's rooted in pride and they just don't want to listen. But how many know just because you don't listen, you can't change it. And one day, you're still going to have to deal with it because this word is truth and it's not going anywhere. Amen. And so, uh, like he says in Isaiah 40, verse eight, the grass withereth and the flower fadeth, but the word of our God will stand forever. And so as he's saying this, that the man of God and woman of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Anything I need to do for God, I'm going to get the instructions I need right here in this book. So the word corrects us. Also, the word keeps us on track. Y'all in here with me. See, that's how you stay on track. That's how you uh, are able to become consistent. Wouldn't you like to be consistent in your walk with God? Wouldn't you like to be consistent to where people know that about you? Isn't that a good witness where people know that about you? Like, man, you know, and, and, and when people first find out you're walking with God, one of the first things they want to see is when you're going to fall off. That, that's the first thing they're doing. So you tell them, oh, I'm with God now. And they're like, mm-hmm. And they're going to watch you. And y'all, y'all thought everybody was your friends. Come on, somebody. Uh, they, they, you, you think celebrities got haters. Christians have a lot of haters. Amen. Jesus, now see, people don't be preaching about what Jesus says. I, but I've been reading in the Gospels, man, and Jesus be saying some stuff like, Man, I didn't come to bring peace. I came to bring a sword. He talks about that in Matthew. He says, I came to bring a sword. I came to bring division. And then he's like, basically, your biggest enemies are going to be the ones in your house. Like, dang. Now, obviously, we live in a time now we can have this revelation and prayerfully, our family will follow us and not be against us. But that's where that opposition comes. 
because people don't want to bow to the truth. And so you say you're one that has bowed to the truth. You're going to have people saying, oh, that's nice. And then they're going to watch you. They're going to say, you know, oh, surely this time he's going to slip up. And in their minds, you know, you would think that people would be happy for you when you say, I've given my life to the Lord. I've changed. Praise the Lord. Well, if they haven't changed, then they're not happy for your change. And they have no faith in your change. And so what they're going to do is they're going to secretly say, oh, he'll be back to drinking soon. It's only a matter of time. But what happens when you develop a life of consistency to where people see you day in, day out, and you haven't changed? Well, how do you get there? Come on, somebody. How do you get there? Through much prayer? Is that it? Is that how you stay on point? Through much prayer. No. Because the devil knows how to get through some prayer. All y'all in here with me. You think I'm going to just stay on point through much prayer? No. The devil knows how to get through much prayer. But one thing he cannot do is get through the word. And so this is how you become consistent. The word corrects us and keeps us on track. Now, go to Psalm 119, verse 9. We'll look at the King James. Or actually, you know what? Before we switch, I forgot to go into this. Uh, I was supposed to go to NLT on this verse. That 2 Timothy 3.16. Yeah. What did I have there? Okay, so all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. That's I kind of start preaching that, but that's what the word will do. It'll, it'll heighten your sense of awareness to the error of your ways. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. It's just like kids, right? You don't just correct them in terms of saying what you did is wrong. You need to tell them what they should have done. Amen. And so that's what God does for us through his word. Now go to, uh, yeah, that's that's good. Go to uh, Psalm 119, verse 9. We'll look at King James first. Psalm 119, verse 9. And so uh, it says, and we'll look at the King James and then go to the NLT. And so he says, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? And it says, By taking heed thereunto according to thy word. Now in the NLT of this verse. So it says, how can a young person stay pure? You know what, man? How do young people figure this out? See, a lot of young people think, well, I'm going to get around to that when I get old. Well, newsflash, you, you might not make it. You want to you wanna just look at some st- statistics and see how many young people are dying. They're dying from, they're being murdered. They're being, uh, they're committing suicide. I mean, why do you think the enemy is after them to take them out? Because he does not want them to grow up and be strong in the word. But if we as parents, we spend our time saying that we must pacify them or we must entertain them or we must. No, you better put a foundation of the word in them. Oh, yeah. See, y'all know. A lot of parents don't want to. They don't want to live on that level of accountability. What if I just start quizzing parents? How many scriptures does your kid know? 
If you don't have no confidence when we walk into that meeting, oh, yeah, you see, you don't want me to get into this. Uh, Pastor, I just, listen, I told you guys on Sunday, I'm your leader. And my job is to teach you what to do. Not just talk to you about all this stuff. But like I said Sunday, I'm not going to get you all excited to go run up the mountain in some house shoes. I'm going to tell you, you got to put on some real shoes. This is what you got to do. The things that I teach you are things that I've done. Y'all in here with me. How can I teach if I haven't done it? Amen. So me and my wife have three grown kids. Amen. You know, you still call them kids, but. But they grown, man. And each and every one of them was required. Y'all in here with me to memorize scripture when they were young. And to this day, that scripture is what they're standing on now. You see what I'm saying? And so that is not about bragging. That is about this is what you do. This is how, how can a young man keep his way, right? By grabbing the book. Not just prayer. Because if I just pray and then they just say, oh, Lord, help me. Well, that's fine. But the Lord will help them. But then the enemy's going to come. See, that's what people don't pay attention to what the enemy's doing. Like God is a loving God. He'll hear you. He'll try to help you and all this. He, you know, but it's going to be the enemy that comes along and says, oh, that's cute. And he's waiting on you to tell him to get out of your life. But if you don't have no word to back it up. And so what a lot of parents are doing today is letting the world raise their kids. I'm talking Christian parents. And these kids don't know no Bible. They not they don't come to church. They come to church if they want to. It's too much of this mess. And our kids are not dominating in the earth. Because of that. So if we're going to change it, we got to put the word in them. We cannot just pacify them we got to put the word in them and then whose responsibility is it it's mine so you know who god's going to go to if my kids don't know the book oh he, oh wait how come he don't go to their teachers at school how come they can't get chastised no it's me your kids what scripture do they know and don't be talking about john three sixteen. They need to be knowing more than that. Amen. And so that's that's what happens, man. And and, and so but but we got to we got to be parents that are willing to say, I'm going to prioritize this thing and I'm going to instill this in my kids because this is the only way. The only way that they could make it in this life. Right. So prayer does not stop the enemy. It could delay him. And it can give people a chance. Like for me, somebody was praying for me. It didn't stop the enemy totally, but it gave me some time. And then those prayers got through my thick head and let me hear or something. But it did not stop. So like the prayer, you could pray and then somebody's praying for you. Then the next day, the enemy's attacking. Somebody's praying for you. The next day, the enemy's attacking. Well, so what does that mean? He's not defeated. He's just delayed. 
Oh, but then when I learned the word, come on, how many know? Then now somebody prayed for me. I opened my ears and I was able to hear and receive the word. Now I got the word. Now guess what? Now I'm the one swinging the weapon. So when I start swinging the weapon, he's defeated. Y'all got that. So you could pray and that's going to create some delay. But until that word is in there, he's not going to be defeated. But when you get that word going, he's shut down. That's when he flees seven different ways. Amen. Amen. And so um, let's look at this uh, Psalm. The, which one did I? I said Psalm 119.9 and then NLT. Let's put that back up there. NLT. Or maybe we didn't put it up yet. But uh, so. Um, yeah. So how can a young person stay pure? See that? Oh, man. See, Pastor, we living in a time where kids, you know, they can watch pornography on their phones. Uh, this is so easy. It's, they can get it this and that and all this type of stuff. Well, just because the technology is more advanced now doesn't mean that they didn't have struggles back then. But it's the same word that's going to give people victory. So how can a young person stay pure? Well, I know they're going to they're gonna stay pure because I'm not letting them watch this. I'm not letting them watch that. I mean, you know, they can get to stuff when you don't know. You don't know everything. Oh, no, because I'd be tracking my kid's phone. I know. Uh, but are you tracking his friend's phone? How about that? Are you tracking their phone? See? And so, but now if you spend that time putting that word in them, then guess what? They're going to have something to defend themselves with. And there's going to be something happening that's going to change what's on the inside of them. Amen. So what happens when a person's appetite is changed? Then they don't, it doesn't matter what somebody comes to give them. They don't want it. Because there's something that has happened on the inside of them. And so how can a young person stay pure? Y'all believe young people can stay pure? Is that... You guys believe that? You believe that young people can stay pure and live for God? Is that possible? It's not common. But it is possible. Well, how? How are they going to do it? Well, the word says, how can a young person stay pure? By obeying. See that? By obeying the word. That's how they're going to stay pure. By obeying the word. Now, and it goes beyond a young person. That, that's how, as you mature in age, that's how you stay on this thing. It's the word. I'm only able to stay with God and live right because of the word. You see what I'm saying? This thing is going to last. And, but it's by obeying the word. Now, we won't obey it if we don't believe it. Y- y'all in here with me. If we don't believe this book, we're not going to obey it. There's a lot of people in church right now that don't believe in the Bible. Well, what do you mean? Two ways they don't believe. One, they're just hard-headed and they want to, you know, still do whatever they want to do. And two, they don't know. They ain't never read it. So here's what you can't do. Say you believe the Bible if you never even read it. Well, I believe in the Bible. That's awesome. What brought you to that belief? Well, my, my mom told me the Bible was a good thing. So I believe in it. Well, praise the Lord. What scripture do you know? Scripture? 
You know, there's some people that don't know how to look up stuff in the Bible. Y'all in here with me. Where you say, go to John chapter 3, verse 16. They don't know, like, the way it's written out. They don't know what that 3 and the colon and the 16. You know what I'm saying? They don't know what all that is. Really? Yeah, I'm talking about adult Christians. (laughs) And you wonder why we're in the condition we're in now. But we're going to stay with the book, man. I'm going to always challenge you. Make sure you're in it yourself. Make sure you're teaching your kids this. And and don't deviate. Let this be the cornerstone of your life. Because it's always going to help you. And so young people can stay pure by obeying the book. But even older people too. But we won't obey it if we don't believe it. Now, you have to establish. This is what you got to do. So here's the thing. There's the age of discernment. And so your kids are, you know, under your care. And so uh, when they're young, they're going to be at your house or whatever. And you're going to make them do whatever. And they're going to say, if you say, you're going to say your prayers before you go to bed. What are they going to do? Say their prayers before they go to bed. Because most of the time when they're younger, who puts them to bed? Most of the time it's you, right? I mean, hopefully you guys, oh gosh. Hopefully they ain't got that bad where, you know, you got just little kids just saying, I ain't going to bed right now. I'm going to stay up till one. You know what I'm saying? Like, is it is it really? Hopefully it ain't gone that bad where, you know, it used to be some structure like it's bad time. Y'all, we still got bad time. Please say yes. Okay, good. Praise the Lord. I'm like, dang, you still got to tell these kids that we going to bed. On oh, another thing. Going to bed don't mean going to the room with a, your TV on. First of all, my kids didn't get to have no TV in their room. That's just another you know level right there. But they didn't get to have no TV. Um, but going to bed don't mean going there with your electronics and no, no, no. Go to sleep. <laughs> well, when they're young, they're going to do that. They're going to do what you say. But then there's going to be something called an age of discernment. Well, now they have that free will kicking in. And now all of a sudden it's like what they're going to do, what they want to do. Well, you as their parent, you still have to properly steward them. And so you have to have some oversight. You have to come on. People don't do what you expect. They do what you inspect. Amen. Oh, come on, somebody. So you got to inspect some things to make sure they're doing what you expect them to do. But what God is doing is like, Y'all going to have to choose me for yourself. So then there comes a time where your kids cannot get into heaven because of your prayer. They're going to have to choose Jesus. They're going to have to choose Jesus for themselves. Amen. And so what you have to do is you have to establish the fact that the word of God is true And it's the final authority in your life. So that means you have to do that. So now you do that and then you let anybody, listen, we can go on outreach, we can do all this stuff, but people still got to choose. They're going to have to choose, man, that, hey, you know what? Uh, This is, you know, what we do is share. And so we can't make anybody believe anything. It's just like preparing a meal. You can't make anybody eat that. You can offer it to people, though. And then that person has to choose that that's something they're going to do. Amen. 
And so, but what you have to do is you have to establish the fact that the word of God is true and it's the final authority in your life. Amen. Come on, look at your name and say the word of God is true. Okay. And look back and say, and it's the final authority in my life. Okay. So that means you're going to bring yourself under the authority of the word. You're not going to leave yourself out here and then nibble at the word and pick and choose what you want. You're going to bring yourself underneath the banner of the word. And you're going to say, this is the governing authority of my life. Amen. And so that's something that you have to do. Now go to Psalm 119, 160. Psalm 119, 160. Thy word is true. What? Thy word is true from the beginning. Every one of thy righteous judgments endures forever. Amen. So thy word is true from the beginning. Every one of thy righteous judgments endures forever. Now, the enemy knows that the word is true. Y'all in here with me. The enemy knows that the word is true. He just doesn't want you to believe it. So he's not going to try to change the word because he knows he cannot do that. But what he's hoping is that you don't believe it. And so, but if we know that it's true, then if we believe it, then we have power to prevail. And so thy word is true from the beginning. Every one of thy righteous judgments endures forever. All right, let's go to uh, Matthew now. Matthew chapter 4. Okay, so he says, now this is when uh, Jesus was tempted, right? And so he was taken into the wilderness and he was tempted uh, by the devil. And, and we understand that. Now, how many know the devil's going to tempt you? Wow, Pastor, I don't know why I, had, I was praying and I was doing all that. I was even listening to worship music. I don't know why I had that crazy thought come in my head. You want me to help you with that? It was the devil. Amen. I mean, I was doing good. I was having a good day. And that person cut me off. And I seemed like I got, you know. I can't get an amen. Seemed like I got a little, you know, I'm saying a little heated. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Oh, come on. I mean, oh, the enemy is going to try to throw you off. If he tempted Jesus, well, do you think he's not going to tempt you? He tempted Jesus. But, you know, we got to stand on the book and know that with every temptation, God will provide a way of escape. Right. First Corinthians 10, 13. And so but you're going to be tempted. That's just the way it goes. Well, this is why people are getting themselves in so much trouble because they're tempted, but they don't have what it takes to defeat the tempter. And so now instead of defeating the tempter, now they're just asking for forgiveness. And they're repenting yet again. Huh? Amen. Now, I've told you guys that temptation is not sin. It's yielding to it. Amen. So, like, I'm on my way to church tonight. And I'm, you know, how somebody, if they pull up on you, you notice. Or you guys, that doesn't, 
I'm saying that ain't that ain't, you know, that's normal, right? Somebody pull up on you like y'all don't notice. Okay, well, I still notice that stuff. I'm driving and somebody pull up and then if they get over here where I can see them in my rear view. Then that makes me like. What you need, man, what's going on? (laughs) Well, I'm on it. I'm on the way to church. You know what I'm saying? No, I didn't have to repent. I didn't do nothing. But believe me, my senses were heightened. I was aware. I'm driving and I'm just minding my own business. I'm like, I'm going to get to church. Uh, all right. I already know Brother Eric ain't here. So I know Pastor Kim. She don't like me. You know, she don't like to be up here all that long. So she'll be. I said, I'm going to be right there on time. And, and then he gets over. And then it's just a, this. This man is like wearing some some dark we used to call them lokes y'all remember that lokes we used to call them he's got some dark sunglasses on and the sun ain't really out like that for them glasses and you and you rump you know you you kind of pushing up on everybody so my initial instinct is i look in my mirror you know and i know that i did not have the best look i already know that but I didn't let it, you know, that was, what. why am I telling you that right now? That's a temptation. Because you know what my, my natural temptation, or, or I could say, okay, so I got a new natural. Let me, let me say, speaking words of faith, I got a new natural. But the thought, you know, maybe some of y'all ain't like that. But the thought for me is to like, is to like slide over and break check. And then just go turtle slow. Just and then roll the window down and look out. You good? <laughs> you good? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Now, I'm not telling you that's what I would do today. I'm saying there's a temptation. It's temptation is not sin. It's the yielding to it. Well, with the temptation, God always provides a way of escape. And so God just gave me a quick flash. It was just so quick. It was like, I'm just going to turn and then he's just going to go around me. But it was like a flash thought. And it was like so quick. He ain't worth going to jail. Oh. Now, somebody can play these games like, see, see, if you know, if you really was filled with the Holy Ghost, you would have never even had the thought of any. Well, okay, I'm not dead. Okay, I'm not dead and I'm not an angel. I am a person. But I know how to win against the enemy. And so now you will not have to win if you're never tempted. See? If people think that, oh, now I'm going to get saved, I'm never going to have that type of thought anymore. I'm never going to have any kind of a, no, you're going to be tempted. Why? Because Jesus was tempted. And if the devil tempted Jesus, he's surely going to tempt you. But we got to pay attention to how did Jesus defeat the enemy? He didn't just run and try to be like, that's it. I'm going to be, I wish this Christianity was like something where we could just go on and live on a mountain. Man, if you got on a mountain with some other people, you guys are going to be fussing and fighting and 
three days. In three days, it's going to be an all-out war up there on the mountain. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so, but, so we don't run from the enemy. We just defeat him. But we don't just defeat him by cliches. We defeat him with the book. We defeat him with the word. Amen? And so then Jesus was led up of the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. Next verse. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterwards hungry. And when the tempter came to him, he said, if thou be the son of God, command these stones to be made bread. So what is that? That's the temptation. He's trying to question. See, a lot of times the temptation comes in and it's causing you to question the truth or not want to obey the truth. You already know what God said, but the devil's going to tempt you to do contrary to what God said. And so he says, if uh, if you're really the son of God, then make these breads, you know, make this uh, stones bread or whatever. But Jesus, this is what Jesus said. But he answered and said, it is written. Y'all in here with me. Come on. Every time the enemy comes at you. Come on. Well, you know. You, you probably got high blood pressure because that runs in your family. How many of y'all know you got to get to the place where you say it is written. So let me answer you. Come on. Now, Jesus, Jesus could have gotten in a debate with the devil, right? Says, you know, if you are really the son of God, why don't you make these stones bread? How come Jesus didn't, you know, just say something? Something else. He said, it is written. Come on, let me ask you, is that your first response when the devil comes at you? Come on, when the devil comes at you and tries to jack you up and get you all fearful and nervous about stuff are you in a position in your life where you say it is written and this is what jesus says it is written man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of god you know what that was that was a left jab come on that was a bah! and it stunned him right but it didn't knock him out. Oh, come on. He just, it, it caught his attention. The devil was coming in and then he got, bam. Then he backed up for a minute, right? Next verse. Then the devil taking them up into a, the holy city and set him on a pinnacle of the temple and said unto him, if thou be the son of God, cast thyself down for it is written, he shall give his angels charge over concerning thee and and in their hands they shall bear thee up lest at any time thou shalt dash thy foot against the stone now the devil was allowed to do this you know this is a, a, a spiritual encounter so it's not like he just picked Jesus up and carried him and all this type of stuff it's just a, a spiritual encounter he's trying to uh, show Jesus something in the spirit and so this is a spiritual encounter where it's trying to uh, the devil's trying to tempt Jesus and create fear or instill fear inside of him. And Jesus said unto him, it is written. What does he say again? So that, so wait, did we say first that was a left jab? Bang. Now he's still coming. Okay. He's going straight right already. He could go straight right. Okay. Now it's a straight right. Bang. Right. Jesus said, it is written. But what is it? It's coming from the same place. It's the same power. Amen? It's the same power. 
I mean, it was pretty good when you got, you know, you know those boxes that got equal power in each hand? That's a good, that's, a, that's an unfair advantage, right? And so Jesus says unto him, it is written, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Next verse. And so again, the devil takes him up into an exceeding high mountain and shows him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. Next verse. And says unto him, all these things will I give unto you if thou will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus says, now, what's the power punch? What's the, brother Dwayne, what's the, come on, you, you hit him with the left jab, then you gave him a straight right, but now you're about to clean him. So what you bringing? Are you bringing a hook? Okay. Okay. <laughs> hey, well, he, hey, I'm saying it's going for the chin piece. It's just, this is coming for the chin. And then Jesus says unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Then the devil, what? Leaveth him. Amen. <laughs> Amen. But, but you see, as, you know, we're just having fun on a Wednesday night, but the enemy comes. So what? If, you don't start crying. He tries to come at you with something, and you just, wham, wham, wham. What's that going to do? And then he comes at you and you go on praying again. You've already been praying. Come on, somebody. You, uh, uh, the devil's trying to come at you and you go on, let me go pray. No, no, no. You, sometimes you don't have time to go pray. Can I get an amen right there? Sometimes you got to say, no, no, no. It is written. And now you got to speak with authority. Amen. And so now this is, but now if you don't have faith in this book, if you don't believe this, if you don't believe that this works, then you won't do it. But if you believe it works, you'll commit to it. And then you'll know that this is my weapon. Come on, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. So I'll understand that this is what I fight with. I fight with the book. And so now Jesus comes back at him. So he got him twice. Bang, bang. Now he's about to clean him up. And the devil leaves him. So he says, it is written. Now, some of y'all, you just might need to get yourself a little three-piece combination. I'm just saying, I gave you some tips today. Come on, you get you a little three-piece combination where you know how to have three scriptures on ready recall. Amen. You might just say, you need to have three scriptures on ready recall. Amen. To where whenever the devil tries to come, you got at least three that you can go, bang, bang, bang. Amen. And you can get him off you because he can't defeat the book. The book is true. He can't defeat it. He just wants to keep you from believing it. And if you don't believe in it, you won't depend on it. You know what you'll depend on? What you know. You'll depend on your go-to. Whatever your go-to is when you run into a situation, sometimes people's go-to is they, they want to get away from everybody. Oh, I can't get it. Yeah. That's sometimes their go-to. I'm, I'm upset, so I got to get away from everybody. Because I don't want to, you know, I, just, I, I need to be left alone. I mean, no, you need to grow up. That's not no spiritual power. I have to get away from these people, man, because you're about to do what? You're about to show your spiritual age? 
Is that what you're about to do? Amen? Adults can't be acting like children. You've been in the book too long. So you can't be going off still. I'm just, I had to get away from these people because I was about to do what? I'm trying to get y'all up to spiritual ninja status. For what you do is you engage spiritually. You take authority based on the power of the book and you don't revert to carnal ways. Because if we revert to carnal ways, that's where we lose. See, Jesus, even in this time of temptation, he didn't revert. I mean, he was Jesus, so he didn't have nothing to go back to. But I'm just saying that's an example for us. So we don't have to go back to what we would have done, because anytime you go back, it's just going to make the problem worse. Every time you try to handle a problem in your flesh, it's just going to be delayed failure. You better believe that coming up the road, it's going to be some drama. It's going to be some problems. But if you learn to handle it spiritually and the way you handle things spiritually is in the book, you pray, but then God's going to give you something to speak in regards to that situation. Amen. Was that verse 11? Let's see. Okay, that was verse 11. And so you have to have enough faith in the word to tell the devil it is written. Amen. Let's just practice that. Just just look at your name and say, it is written. Okay. So do you feel comfortable saying that? It is written. You know what I mean? That's powerful. Now, when you say it is written, then now you got to have some scripture to come back with what is written. Amen. And so that's why you want to get a hold of the word, get familiar with the word. If you want healing in your body, find out what he said about healing. If you want protection, find out what he said about uh, protection. If you want provision, find out what he said about provision. Amen. And then now you can speak it. And when the enemy comes and he tempts you, remember, he will tempt you. But don't condemn yourself because you are tempted. If I'm tempted, that just means I'm walking around here like Jesus. If I'm never tempted, maybe I'm still working for the devil. So maybe he don't have to tempt me because I still work for him. Amen. But when I'm tempted, that lets me know he sees me as someone who's dangerous. And so he's going to try his best to get me off track. Right. And now it's not that you have to spend all your days, you know, like, oh, man, I'm just fighting against the devil. You just got to know what you're doing. Just release the word. Keep it going. You'll step into victory. And so you have to know you have to have enough faith in the word to tell the devil it is written. Now, this is the difference between an empowered Christian and an unempowered Christian. You guys know what I mean by an unempowered Christian. That is a Christian that is says they're Christian, but they they don't know the Bible. They don't speak life. Everything is oh man. Everything is bad. Those unempowered Christians were expecting to be taken out. By uh, what was that thing that we were supposed to have that was supposed to jack us up that we wasn't worried. I already forgot her name. That's how important she was to me. Amen. That they said the name was Hillary. So it's got to be a her. I don't know. No Hillary's name. I don't know. No men named Hillary, but there could be in these times. But my point is. There was some Christians. That said, uh. It's going to be bad. Amen. 
And I, I'm not able to speak for the world. I, I don't I didn't like dig into it enough like that. I just said it ain't come. None of my stuff is getting messed up. We were we were we were looking around just to see if we could find a branch in our neighborhood. We didn't, we didn't see, man, is that a branch? Maybe no, just a couple of leaves. You know what I mean? Well, an unempowered Christian is one that says they're a Christian, meaning a follower of Christ, but they have no power. The, the unempowered Christian was the same one that was scared of COVID. Come on. The unempowered Christian is the same one that's scared of the economy. Everything. It's, not, it's like, what is this doing for you? And also the unempowered Christian is definitely not saying it is written. They're not quoting anything. Because they don't know it enough to quote it. And so that is that difference between an unempowered Christian and an empowered Christian. And so now, let me just clear this up. Because, you know, you get these people that go all off on the deep end on this stuff. A person can go to heaven just because they believe in Jesus. Amen. So does that mean they don't have to know the Bible to go to heaven? How do I know that's true? The thief on the cross. The thief on the cross didn't know no scriptures or anything. He just said, remember me. And Jesus says, this day you're going to enter into paradise. So he was a believer, but he didn't know anything. And so there's people that have given their lives to Jesus. And it doesn't mean they're, they might not be empowered. They're, they're scared of everything. They don't speak life. They, don't, they just haven't learned. But it does not mean they're not going to heaven. Because what's required for them to go to heaven is that they receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Amen? So don't go around saying, oh, my cousin, she don't know her Bible, so she ain't, she going to hell. Well, she might, she might have gave her life to Jesus, but she just might not know her, you know, she's just not being trained like you are, but that doesn't mean she's going to hell. And so a person might go to heaven because they believe in Jesus. But they won't live in victory until they believe the word. Come on. A person can go to heaven because they believe in Jesus. But they're not going to live in victory until they believe in the word. Amen. And so that is the difference. Now go to John 17. We'll look at 14 through 17 in the King James. This is what Jesus is saying. And he is praying for his disciples before he's getting ready to leave. But he says, he's telling God, God the Father, I have given them thy word and the world hated them because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. He says, I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil one. He says, they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify means set them apart, consecrate them. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Amen. Thy word is truth. And so you start to look at this. It's like, okay, sanctify them through thy truth. So I'm going to be set apart. I'm going to get an advantage over the enemy because of the truth. Amen. And so let's look at this in this verse in the NLT. You see what this says? Make them holy by your truth. Amen. Teach them your word, which is truth. Okay, so 
what he's saying here is, and he goes on to say, you know, I'm, before that, he, he actually starts talking about, I'm leaving, but they still here. And I'm, I'm not trying to get you to take them out of here. I want you to, to keep them from the evil one, but you're going to make them holy. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. And so when we start to look at this, we understand that Christianity was never intended to exist apart from the word. Because even Jesus praised this for his disciples. I'm leaving and I'm, I'm not trying to take them. They're going to stay here. And I'm not even asking you to take them out of this world, but I'm asking that you keep them from the evil one. And how are you going to do it? Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Teach them the word. Make them holy by the word. How many of you guys have seen the Bible work in your life? How many of you have seen yourself grow up in your faith because you've been in this book? Now you've gotten more mature. You've, you've grown and you've gained some confidence because of the Bible. Now, how many of y'all remember when you was first, you first got saved and you didn't know anything? You didn't know no scriptures. Amen. How many of you can look back and, and be honest with yourself and look at your behavior then and look at your behavior now? Are you the same person? Now, the you back then would have went to heaven. No, <laughs> he said, no, not me. <laughs> well, whenever that was, whenever that was for you. So let me, let me help you guys understand this. So we got to do on a Wednesday night. So like we get saved. When I get saved, there's nothing in the Bible that tells me I got to know the Bible to be saved. Right. He says that he that calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. In Romans uh, chapter 10, I think verse 13. And so if I confess with my mouth and believe in my heart, then I'm going to be saved. But that don't mean I know the word. Amen. That don't mean that I'm empowered. And so I look at myself and I say, well, there was a time where I said that and I really did get saved. But the me today is not the same me then. And so that me that said that prayer, when I said it with a sincere heart, I would have went to heaven. Just like the me today would go to heaven. But the me back then was taking lumps from the devil. Oh, come on, somebody. I, I, I would have still went to heaven, but I was taking some whoopings from Satan. Come on, somebody. I was taking some beat downs, even though I was saved. But the me today still going to heaven. But how I many know today the devil's taking licks from me? Oh, cause oh, yeah, man, I'm trying. You see what I'm saying? So it ain't really about a salvation thing. That's all in your heart. So see, sometimes people don't they don't they don't get saved until they just think they're gonna die. You know what I'm saying? That's why people do that. They wait till they're on their deathbed and try to get with God. But that's them just thinking about salvation i'm talking about victory i'm talking about i'm living way better so once i got saved then i had to get in here because how many know you could still get saved if you don't start getting the truth then how can you be sanctified jesus said himself about his disciples sanctify them through your truth your word is truth teach them show them how to be holy according to your truth well if he didn't say that then guess what they would have just been believers 
with no power. Because all the power that's going to put you ahead of the enemy is revealed in here. Amen. And so now let's look at this. Um, John 17 already looked at that 17 in the NLT. But I, I said this Christianity was never intended to exist apart from the word. And so many people say they are Christians, but not all of them believe in the word. Have you ever met any? They said they're Christians, but they don't believe in the word. Either they don't know it or they don't agree with it. Then they get into all these debates. Well, that was not for this time and that. Okay. Whatever. But the power is available to us. Now, I want you guys to get something before I close this message. See, it is commonplace for all of us to just want everybody to be saved. Come on, how many of y'all? You want everybody to be saved. But we would think, man, that's probably the, the attitude that Jesus had. Right? We say, man, Jesus clearly wanted everybody to be saved. Y'all, you know I'm setting you up for something. So we just want everybody, you know, everybody to be saved. And, hey, man, I'm sure Jesus, why? How do we, why would we say that about Jesus? Jesus wants everybody to be saved. Why would we say that? Because what? But God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Amen? Who said that? Huh? Jesus. Who is he talking about? For God so loved the world. Who is he talking about? God so loved. No. The Father. Let me just help you guys. I'm not trying to be controversial, but I'm trying to teach you something that's very important. For God so loved the world. Jesus was referring to God the Father. So God the Father did love the world so much that he sent his only begotten son so that everyone would have a chance to be saved. And so all of us say, well, of course, Jesus wants the whole world and all this type of stuff to be saved and all this type of stuff. But there's an emphasis that he puts on discipleship that is overlooked. And I want you to see what he says in this Bible. So John 17, 9, John 17, 9, NLT. What does it say? Huh? Oh, my prayer is not for the world. So when he's talking about sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is truth. He's talking all this stuff. Well, a lot of times the church just spends the emphasis on everything is about this salvation. We just want to get everybody. And it's like a shotgun approach. It's just a shotgun approach. But that's not even what Jesus was doing. Because Jesus says, my prayer is not for the world. But for those you have given me. Because they belong to you. And so if I look at that, I'm like, wait a minute, what is he saying? Next verse. I mean, actually put this up in the message translation. Some of y'all might have to go pray on this after this message. Message translation. What did he say? I pray for them. I'm not praying for the God-rejecting world. Did y'all see that? What's Christians doing? Everybody's praying. You're praying for... The satanic worshiper to get saved. You're praying for everybody. Just miracle salvation all over the world. But this is not even what Jesus was doing. Jesus was not doing that. 
Jesus was not going around trying to get everybody saved. He was letting people know it's available. And he told God, I'm about to leave. And I'm not praying for everybody out there, but I'm praying for the ones that you gave me. And I want you to keep them. Oh, come on, somebody. He was not praying. I want you to keep the whole world. Why? Because he knows that sin is in the world. Wickedness is in the world. How I many know there's going to be a lot of people that will not get saved? Why? Because they will reject him. And so he says, I pray for them, the ones that you gave me. I'm not praying for the God rejecting world, but for those you gave me, for they are yours by right. Jesus says, no one can come to me unless the father first draws them. And so we're so busy about trying to get the whole world saved, but we're missing what he says is important. It's not about you saying a little prayer. It's about you being discipled. It's about you being trained up. It's about you being equipped with enough of the truth so that you can be in a position to stand against the wiles of the devil and prevail. Amen. And so this is not about shotgun salvation. Not everybody's going to be saved. This is about true conversion, radical transformation and empowerment through the word of God. Now, let's continue. I'm going to close in a minute, but I want you to see what Jesus said. And you can go pray about this on your own. Now, skip down to verse 20. So because now you think, okay, well, what does he mean? He's just praying for those disciples. Is that all? So you got to understand where this started. This started with order. It started with God imparting some things into some people. And then he said, this is it. This is the way we're going to build this. This is the way that we're going to believe. Even when he sent them out in Luke, he said, if they don't receive you. Oh, come on. He said, shake the dust. Y'all, come on, man. Don't shake the dust off of your feet. And keep it moving. That's why the church won't take a stance today because they just want everybody to be saved. That's why the church won't have standards and say, God is not pleased with that lifestyle, this lifestyle. He's not going to accept you if you stay like that. See, the church is scared to do that, but that's what Jesus did. And he says, I'm not praying for this God rejecting world. I'm praying for the ones you gave me. But then he says, I'm praying not only for these disciples. This is so you know how to answer these people that say it was just for the disciples. No power for today. That was only for the disciples. He says, I'm praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. Who does that include? You. Why? Because you have believed in Jesus because of the message that came through the disciples. And so guess what? You're included in this. See, there's only one way. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father except they come through me. People are given a choice. And your job is to expose them to a choice that they can make. But not everybody's going to choose it. And so I believe we have to spend more time, not just shotgun blast salvations. We need to spend more time on discipling people and showing people how to live and showing people how to. What are you going to do after the crusades? You went up there and that was great. And we got a lot of salvation cards. But how much fruit do we have? 
How many people are now, come on, how many people leave church on Sunday and go home and drink six beers before Sunday's out? Why is that happening? Because there's an emphasis, an emphasis put on, let's just get them saved, get them saved, but none of them are trained. And Jesus says, I'm not even praying for this God rejecting world. I'm praying for the ones that you gave me. And he says, I pray that they will be one. Now, I'm going to close with this, but he says, and I'm praying. He says, I'm praying for everybody that believes on the words that came from these disciples. He says, I pray that they will be one just as you and I are one. Didn't we say on Sunday, he says in 1 John 4, 17, as he is, so are we in the world. And so I said, what happens if, if a demon came up to you and said, hey, you know, we haven't been messing with you because you look just like Jesus. What have you caught revelation of that? I'm walking around this earth just like Jesus. Why? Because I'm one of his disciples. I'm in this group that he's talking about. He says, I pray that they will be one just as you and I are one as you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. He says, I am in them and you are in me. And may they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that I, and look at this, and that you love them. Are y'all able to handle that? He says that you love them as much. This can't be true. You mean God the Father loves us just as much as he loves Jesus? Wow. So that's a different way of looking at it. And so what you want to do is you want to say, this is, now everything that I went over tonight was all Bible. We went a little longer, but it's all Bible. There's, so what you can do is go home and pray and say, wait, hold on. That was really, Jesus, did you say that? Look it up in some different translations. And so we start to understand, oh man, this is about discipleship. This is about helping people believe in the book. This is about helping people live according to the truth and not according to just whatever they want to do. And see, people can do whatever they want to do, but what they're not going to do is defeat the devil. You're only going to win against Satan when you adhere to the truth. And when you believe according to this. And so if we understand that this is the truth, this is what I believe I know I'm in that group because I've accepted the one truth and I've conformed my life according to the one truth and not whatever goes. And it's important that we do this in this time because pretty soon they're going to be telling you anything can happen in the church. Everything's allowed. Um, Right now they got... uh, they got gay pastors that are in a gay relationship, like married pastoring churches. Y'all, gay pastors pastoring churches. Then we got one pastor that recently went and apologized to the gay community. He says, I'm apologizing to you all on behalf of pastors. He ain't apologizing for me. He's speaking for himself. But he ain't speaking for me. You see what I'm saying? That's what these people are doing. They're changing this stuff like that. And and they're letting anything slide. Anything comes in. There's no standards. 
You could just kind of do what you want. And why? Oh, well, it's all about the love of Jesus. Is that all? And then what is your definition of love? If you say you love your child, would you let them play on the train tracks when you know a train is coming? Well, I just want them to have freedom to do what they want. That's not love. Our God loves us enough to instruct us and teach us and show us the way in which we shall go. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Go ahead and clap for the Lord. Amen. Let's close in prayer. Father, we just thank you in the name of Jesus for tonight. We thank you for your word. We're going to stick to it no matter what happens, no matter what things look like. We have nothing else to depend on but this book. I pray right now if you're watching this and you don't know Jesus as Lord, we want you to know he's welcoming you right now. There's a choice that you can make and you can make that right now to just give your life away and let him have it. Church, let's repeat this prayer so that anyone who hears this message will know how to receive Jesus as Lord. Repeat after me. Jesus, please forgive me for all of my sins. I commit my life into your hands. This day, I am saved. Do with me as you please and fill me with the power of the Holy Ghost. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Clap for the Lord. Amen. Praise God.